Hey, what up, Long Beach? You know, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes the bar eats you. We're covering the strikes and gutters Long Beach Sports has experienced this week on the only podcast that updates you on our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. As always, we're the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio. And uh, in addition to sports coverage, we've got a ton of education coverage coming your way as part of our partnership with LBPost.com. So stay tuned for that on Monday as the elementary schools across LBUSD begin to reopen for in-person instruction. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. Very excited about today's show. We have a very special guest joining us, current and recent New York Giant, John Ross, the wide receiver, a J-Town legend who then went on to UW and had a great career with the Huskies. Broke the uh, 40-yard dash <laughs> record famously at the NFL Combine, um, though he didn't get an island for it, but that was smart, as it turns out. <laughs> and Ross, the ninth overall pick in the draft, going to originally the Cincinnati Bengals, and now just signed with the New York Giants. So we're excited to catch up with Ross and talk about his uh, his career in the NFL and his, uh, his experience going to the Big Apple. Really excited for him. From Jordan High School to New York City, that is just so damn cool. Sports are so damn cool. And Tyler, the reason why we're able to do this stuff is because people are supporting the 562.org right now. Absolutely. You know, we want to thank um, everyone who's who's given to the 562 and helps us support, you know, Long Beach's athletes and bring all the sports and education coverage that, that we've been bringing you for three plus years at the 562, but more than a decade Um going back to all the work that you guys have done. Um, we wanted to especially shout out a couple of recent donors, Nate Burstell, who gave a very apropos gift of $562 as a, a yearly subscription. Shout out to Nate. Um, and, you know, that seems like a nice round, even number for those interested in wanting to make a difference and helping us cover more sports. Also wanted to shout out Don Arnold and the Arnold Educational Fund for their $1,000 contribution for us to continue local sports coverage. So thank you to our donors, our subscribers on Patreon. Head to the website and hit the subscribe button at the top and you can become a monthly subscriber to help us continue to do all the things that we do for Long Beach sports coverage. I mentioned at the top that it has been strikes and gutters for local sports as we come back from the year-long COVID-19 shutdowns. And as we do every week, we've got to timestamp it. It is 1.30 right now on a Wednesday. And as of right now, the biggest story in Long Beach involves high school football, but not the way you want it to be involved. A positive COVID-19 test for somebody at Long Beach Poly High School has changed this truncated Moore League football spring schedule for literally the entire league. Mike, you were all over that story yesterday. Yeah, Long Beach Poly announced yesterday uh, morning that uh, they were not going to be able to play their game against Wilson this Friday. Um, let's just pause right there for one second. You know, that's a big deal. Um, Poly and Wilson have played every school year since 1932. This was going to be the first time it happened in March and not in the fall, obviously, but um, always worth reflecting on, you know, World War II didn't stop that rivalry. The Vietnam draft didn't stop that rivalry. The Korean War, like nothing has stopped it up until um, this happened. So definitely a big uh, shakeup there. Um, and always a bummer for us because that's always one of our favorite games to cover, you know, the oldest rivalry in the city. Um, but uh, what was revealed was that a poly football player who had played in the game on Friday against Lakewood, which is a really key part of this story, um, was feeling COVID symptoms on Saturday, um, went and tested, tested positive over the weekend. Um, and so as a result, Polly and Lakewood are both in a quarantine uh, that is going to cancel their games this Friday. 
which means that Polly will not play Wilson. Lakewood will not play Jordan. Uh, we found out that Wilson and Jordan were really quickly able to work out something where they're going to play on Friday at Jordan, and then they'll still play the previous scheduled game next Thursday um, at Wilson. It's the old um, home and home, like it's NCAA men's volleyball. Right, exactly. Well, and I, I do want to say there's so many significant things throughout this story, but this is going to be Jordan's first game. So it is great that they were able to get that rescheduled because otherwise another team, you know, a team that they were going to play playing a team that had a positive was going to knock Jordan out, which would have been really brutal. Um, so that's where things stand at the moment. Um, Lakewood also, because they were not going to be able to start practicing until midweek next week, um, preemptively said, we're not comfortable playing Milliken on a day's practice and a walkthrough. So the Lakewood Milliken game next week, the Hamilton bowl, basically our two biggest football rivalry games in the city, both knocked out by this positive test. Um, Milliken is looking for a game to play. Lakewood will not play next week. Lakewood also had their first game of the season shut down due to a positive test from a player in their program. So Lakewood effectively has been doing all this work to get one game on the field and then hopefully everything is smooth sailing and they'll have two games to end the season as well. Um, Polly's uh, currently saying they're on track to play Compton next week and that that's their plan. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed that happens. Obviously what we want is as many games as possible for as many kids as possible. Um, and, uh, and we'll continue to advocate for that and, and cover what's going on. And, uh, but, but that's where we are. Definitely a tough week uh, for sports fans, writers and, and athletes in the city of Long Beach. We got some very interesting responses online when we posted that story as the breaking news came. And one of the biggest things that we want to uh, clear up for everybody is the testing. Long Beach Unified School District was mandated testing at the beginning of the season. Last week, they were not. And I think people were confused that why was some of the teams testing and other teams weren't? That's because in the first week of the season, everybody tested for their games. Last week, that was not the case. And that's a county regulation, not the school district. So it, it was actually a state regulation that the county just endorsed. When the case rate was at 14 per 100,000 or higher, everyone doing outdoor high contact sports that included football and water polo had to test. As soon as we dropped under 14, it was no longer required. So the LBUSD uh, is following the, the California Department of Public Health guidelines for youth sports in that they'd stopped testing. This player tested because he was experiencing uh, symptoms after the and, game, right? I think that's yes, also important the, to yes, say. Yes, on the weekend. And so okay. that is why they went and got the test. That is also following CDPH guidelines. If you are listening to this and experiencing COVID symptoms, you should go and get a test. Um, so that, that that's what it was, you know, as to whether they're going to pick up testing going forward or not um, in a voluntary way, because some school districts are still doing that. I, I haven't heard anything about that. I wouldn't be surprised at that. I wouldn't be surprised if they say we're going to keep doing the CDPH guidelines and just go forward. Um, but obviously, to be completely honest, I think once they stopped testing, I just don't think anyone was really expecting that they'd find out after a game that someone had played um, in a game who then tested positive. So I think it's a little bit of uncharted territory um, for everybody, for for all of the football programs and, and you know, decision makers involved. Well, and I think for us, we're not necessarily aware of specific guidelines that have been made publicly available or uh, available to the teams as, and schools directing them how to deal with this situation, right? I mean, when the Lakewood and St. Anthony game had been canceled, it was sort of, you know, up to Lakewood to decide how to proceed after having that, that positive test. And they erred on the side of caution um, to not play that game. 
But as far as and, and let know, me just interject right there, Tyler, and say and they had a lot of parents who were really pissed off at them for doing that. You know, yes. for saying the CDPH guidelines don't require you to cancel a game with one positive test. The school district isn't requiring you to cancel with one positive test. Why are you shutting it down? And they decided, you know, we haven't seen a guideline from the school district that says if one person tests positive, play no matter what, right? Um, and so they chose to go on the more cautious side. And I think you see something similar here where some of the frustration, Scott Meyer at Lakewood voiced uh, quite a bit of frustration in our article with not having those guidelines spelled out and feeling like the decision-making was being left up to the people, you know, kind of at the bottom of the process, um, which is frustrating, you know, when you're down there and you're going, I'm doing everything I can just to get these kids cleared, to get helmets out, to make sure we got enough practices in. I don't need to also set our COVID policy. <laughs> um, right. But the, the one other thing I wanted to point out is um, these events, this is taking out not just a football game that we were going to go enjoy covering. Um, this is the first week that the musicians are going to be allowed per CDPH guidelines, marching bands, drum lines um, to attend and play at these games. Cheerleaders last week were briefly ruled not allowed to go. And then the CDPH reversed that guideline and said, okay, cheerleaders are allowed to go. So, you know, these have sort of built back into, to be completely honest with you, even more so than when the school is open, because it's just going to be like one day on one day off half of half the kids in the class, a bunch of your teammates, a bunch of your classmates won't be coming back. These are really the closest thing to normalcy that these kids are going to get up until we figure out some kind of a, a graduation ceremony. So to see the football players, the band kids, the drumline kids, the cheerleaders, the ASV kids, to see all those people not get to participate in those events, um, you know, it's really hard. And you can certainly understand why people are, are frustrated at not feeling like they know what's going to happen going forward. Well, it, is, all... it is definitely disappointing. And, you know, to not see that sort of consistency where, um, you know, when there is a when there is a test that comes back positive, we kind of already can look at a sort of that checklist and say, OK, what are the criteria that got hit here? And then what is the the necessary response? And I think every sport's different. Every school district is different. The circumstances change day to day, week to week. And so it, it is def definitely a challenge to put together sort of that coherent catch-all plan that, you know, will will plan for every scenario. And that doesn't seem to really exist at the moment. And so it's definitely a thing that we're sort of fixing as we go and kind of learning what some of the potential pitfalls will be and trying to make things better. And we're starting here and hoping to progress to having indoor sports as well, which will present a different set of challenges. And so I think as we go, it's working to perfect, making sure that people have their voices heard in a respectful way, um, just to kind of share their opinions and their perspectives. And then we can make kind of the best decision uh, for everyone to balance the benefits of being able to hold these events with the health and safety of the students, the coaches, the parents, and everyone in our community. Every football coach I talked to for our season preview that you can find at the562.org right now said that adjusting on the fly and being flexible was the key to success this year. Well, it's time to put up or shut up. This is the time in which you have to adjust on the fly and be flexible in order to get these kids on the field and active as much as possible. And you'd think at this point, we'd be just immune to the emotions tied into seeing things canceled. We went through it for 12 months and it was just again and again and again, the same thing in a different way. But this one feels a little bit more difficult, a little harder to swallow because being on the sideline of a football game is a special experience for many reasons, not just the sports, right? It's a community. 
And we got a taste of that. We were at Long Beach Poly and Sarah, that overtime thriller. We were at Wilson and Compton, the incredible game between, the, uh, between Wilson and Compton where they traded the lead seven times. It was just madness out there. It was amazing. Not many fans, but you could feel their energy. It's ineffable though, right? It's like, it's like church. It's not magic. It's just a bunch of like-minded people being positive and supporting each other. So you go there and you feel better when you leave. To see that be taken away from these kids who have worked so hard to come back, I, I, I agree. Tis better to love and lost than to have never loved at all. But loving and losing freaking hurts, man. It definitely does. And I, I just want to say, as I think we've expressed on the show a number of times, I'm just really sympathetic for everyone involved. And I think one thing it's worth for everyone who's frustrated or upset or sad, one thing that's worth remembering is no one has control of this situation. Um, I think it would have been helpful for coaches like Scott Meyer if the guidelines from the school district um, were available and were more obvious, but that's not going to change the chaos of anyone at any moment could catch this virus. Um, and, you know, that's a reality, obviously, that we've all been living with. And I'm certainly not suggesting that the football community is trivializing that. Um, as we've written about, a lot of these coaches and kids have lost loved ones in this pandemic. Football is not like a well, everything's normal. Let's play football. It's for a lot of them, the light at the end of the tunnel um, for what they've been going through. And so uh, we certainly understand both the circumstance that it's just not a situation that anyone has control over and also how important it is that, you know, people are able to get back and, and participate in the things that they love um, for mental health, for physical health, for spiritual health, just for being able to feel like um, you understand what's going on. And unfortunately this week, you know, we're back. It feels like we're back a little bit to last year of not knowing what's going on. But um, at the same time, I'm enjoying literally looking forward to getting to see JJ soccer coverage. Um, Tyler's about to go cover the more league cross country finals on Saturday. Uh, we do have two football games coming up this week with Wilson Jordan and St. Anthony hosting a game as well. So there is still a lot going on. It's just not as perfect and, and as back to normal as obviously everyone was hoping it would be. Well, and I think it's definitely a reminder to, for everyone to stay vigilant. You know, even even though the numbers are better and with the vaccine rollout, there is certainly, um, like you said, Mike, light at the end of the tunnel and, and things are looking better collectively. But, you know, all it takes is is one one positive or one case that, you know, can, you know, cause these events to get canceled. And so it's just a reminder to everyone to continue to, to stay the course and make smart choices um, and just do our best to limit the spread of this thing so we can get more games and more events in the months ahead. Our longtime sponsors and partners, Naples Rib Company, are officially back open for indoor dining. That's something they've been working and hoping for for basically the duration of this entire pandemic. So we're so happy for all of our friends over there, as well as all of our readers who've told us over the years how much they love Naples Rib Company, how glad they were they found Naples Rib Company through our coverage. Uh, so get down there. If you're ready to celebrate, you got your vaccines or you're just ready to get in and do some indoor dining, why not make Naples Rib Company your first uh, your first stop? They've done so much to support us and so many other schools and teams uh, and organizations in the city of Long Beach. And the city really stepped up and supported Naples Rib Company uh, throughout this. We heard all the time on social media from people who listen to our ads and got their takeout orders, their to-go orders from Naples Rib Company. So we really appreciate that and uh, keep it up. You know, they've been supporting us for over 10 years. Uh, we're hoping it'll be another 10 years coming here in the future. So get down to Naples Rib Company. Tell them you're happy to see their doors still open and tell them that the 562 sent you. 
We now welcome on our special guest. He is the newest New York Giants wide receiver and J-Town's own, John Ross. What's up, Ross? How you doing, man? I've been doing good, man. It's good to see you guys. It's been a while. Happy to see you guys, always. How's everything going with you and the family? We do this every interview. We got to check in on people nowadays. You know what I mean? So how you guys doing? That's what makes y'all great. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we're doing good, man. Everybody's doing good. Everybody's safe. And um, luckily, knowing, you know, uh, contracts is a virus. So yeah, everybody's been doing well. Appreciate you guys asking. Um, I feel like we should have introduced you as future uh, Jordan High School football coach, John Ross. Um, that, <laughs> we were, Tyler, was, Tyler was laughing. It's like there's dudes that talk about giving back, but I feel like you graduated and you knew you'd be in the position that you are now. But the entire time you've been like, I'm coming back and I'm going to give back at some point. Um, how set are you on all that, even as you're in the middle of your NFL journey? Man, I just feel like like I'm so fortunate, you know, to make it this far. Um you know, I never would have thought that I would actually be this far, you know, so, you know, to, 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 have, to, to be able to go back, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and give back, you know, to where I came from and, you know, put those, put some of those kids in those positions, you know, because I feel like kids don't really listen to the guys, you know, that they're being coached by now. You know, I hear all these stories of, you know, they, these coaches don't know what they're talking about, this and that, you know. Um, you know, so for me to be able to do that, like at first I wanted to be the head coach, but I look at guys like John Timo, who is a football guru, you know, who knows about offense, knows about defense, knows like he's a, a amazing people person, you know, have having him be like a head coach would be amazing to me, you know, and, and us putting up, putting together an amazing program is something that I think, you know, we are, we will, we will be capable of, you know, in the next couple of years. If you and Timu uh, take over the Jordan high school football program, I think all three of us will get out of sports media and come volunteer as assistant coaches. So you just, just keep us posted, bro. <laughs> Uh, look, just stay ready because you never know. <laughs> it's gonna come in the next couple of years. You know, just stay ready. Hey, if you if you need someone, if you need a get back coach that's good with waving the towel, I'm the man. Like I'm, I'm there. I'm keeping I'm, everybody behind the white line. Like I'm definitely gonna be the obnoxious one, so I'm definitely gonna need a get back coach. So okay, we, we definitely gonna need. You. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make sure you don't get any personal fouls or get, or get thrown out of the game. Um, no fouls. <laughs> How are how are you feeling physically? I mean, I know that there was some you know injury stuff that happened in Cincinnati and and some situations where you know you you weren't able to necessarily do as much as you had hoped and and that you had the potential for. But you know, how do you uh, feel now physically with you know having some time off with how crazy last last season was and and looking forward to this fresh start that you're going to get with the Giants? Well, I'm excited, man. I'm very excited, you know, to say to say the least. Um, but I'm 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 healthy. I'm running full speed, you know, with no problems. I'm looking good killing the times and speed training. Um, so everything's going good. You know, physically, I feel great. You know, mentally, I'm, I'm in a better space than I've ever been. You know, and that's all I can ask for. You know, I think that was the biggest thing for me, you know, just trying to get get right mentally. And now that I am, you know, I, I, I feel so much better in the position that I am in. Well, and, and speaking of the speed and uh, and how that's looking, you're trying to race everybody, man. Like I saw like a week ago, you were, you were challenging all comers at the traffic circle. Then yesterday I saw you wanted to race a dog. So I had something for his like, ass at the traffic circle, though. Yeah. I had something for him at the traffic circle. Everybody. We were all just we were all just sitting at home, and I was like, I would race everybody in Long Beach right now if they met me. Because I live close to the traffic circle, so I was just like, you know, they can meet me there right now. And I tweeted it, and so many people were laughing, like, "What's wrong with you?" You know, but it's all fun and games. But I, you know, I just I just love showing our city so much love. You know, Adore, a guy that we covered when he was in high school over here at Sarah, another uh, new signing. 
for the Giants, are, are you going to race Adore? I mean, that's that's what the people want. I mean, I'm not no, not trying to put you on the in the spotlight here, but I mean, that's uh, I would I would pay for that. That's all I'm going to say. It's it's funny though because people actually want me to race Daniel Jones when they want me to race Adore. Okay. <laughs> which is real funny, which is real funny. But, you know, Adore, I don't think Adore would do it. Um, me, I'm always up for a challenge. It's always funny to me. It's always, always fun. And I always feel like I'm always in a good position to do that. So, <laughs> but uh, it may not happen. But, you know, we will have some good one-on-one battles that will come. And I, I'm definitely going to test the speed when we get to camp. So, so other than challenging everybody to a race, what's your day-to-day like right now? You know, obviously the season is kind of far away, but it's a little closer than you might think. So what's your day-to-day? It just depends, man. Like, you know, uh, some days I have to be a full-time dad, you know, and sometimes I have to be an athlete slash dad slash big brother. There's so many things that I have to do, you know. Um, but I usually, you know, get my speed training in, get my weight lifted in or get my position drill work in and, and then go to the weight room. Either or, it depends on, uh, you know, how our schedule is looking. You know, um, I'm trying to do more body work stuff and take care of my body because that's, that's very pivotal for me. Like, a lot of times it's, it's not even that. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just freak accidents and me, you know, some soft, soft tissue stuff. Um, but I've been doing a much better job. So is it more difficult to eat healthy? How's the, how's the nutrition work going as well? That is the hardest thing to do. I will say, um, you know, me, I don't struggle as much because I don't like a lot of things, but, but it's just, it's just so hard. You know, we got so, so many good food places, especially out here. Like in Cincinnati, it is not hard to eat at all. And that's no disrespect <laughs> to the city. That's no disrespect to the city at all. It's just not that many, it's not that many options like it is out here, you know? So it's very, it's, it's very easier to eat healthier out there. Um, but I've been doing a real good job though. You know, I, I've, I've tried to get like a chef and all these type of things like meal prep, um, not a chef. My bad. Uh, I don't have that much money. Meal prep. But, meal uh, prep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me change that. Let me change that around. Meal prep, you know, um, here and Mercedes there. Mercedes Lewis yeah. is on the personal chef. You're still doing meal prep. That's like yeah, year, I'm still doing, year yeah, 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got to um, make it there, yeah. So you mentioned, aside from the fact that I guess you don't like Skyline Chili, um, which I understand, <laughs> um, what, uh, what, what what is it like? You know, I mean, you, you, have a, you have a lot of ups and downs in Cincinnati, obviously. What does it mean right. to you to get the just a fresh start of going to the Giants and, you know, just kind of getting to hit the reset button, like you say, getting mentally and physically healthy. And, you know, you're on this one year deal, like basically the whole league is going to be, it feels like. Um, so what does it feel like to hit the reset button and get a new start? Well, it feels great. Like, honestly, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity because, uh, you know, there's no secret that little turmoil in Cincinnati with me last year and me wanting to get traded and all this other stuff, you know, so, you know, for me to be able to, to, to have this opportunity, like, like I was telling them when I, when I went on my visit, you know, to sign, I was just like, man, it feels like I'm, I just got drafted again, you know, like I'm that excited, you know, I'm just, I'm that thankful to be here, you know, um, I'm very thankful for what Cincinnati has done for me over the years and the fans and everybody. And, and like I said, I'm just very thankful, but this, this is a, another opportunity that I've, that I've kind of been waiting for for a long time now. So, Every time you take the field, whether it was with Jordan, Washington, Cincinnati, now with New York, everybody knows who you are, right? At Jordan, you were the man. At Washington, top recruit. Obviously, you shined at the Combine so people knew about you in Cincinnati. How do you deal with scrutiny? You've got a lot of young kids out here listening to this podcast who are very good at football, but one of the hardest things to do, and you're going to learn it in New York, is to deal with these media folk. So how do you deal with scrutiny? What's, what's your trick? You know what? That was the hardest thing for me, um, just because, you know, you read all this stuff about you. My name will be trending randomly on a Tuesday night 
we're off that day. You know, nothing is going on. And just people were talking negative about nothing, you know, just I'm being hurt, this and that, you know. So it for me, it, it, it took a toll on me through the years because it was just so much. But, you know, as you grow, you start to pay attention to stuff. You start to realize not too many things matter, but what is going on, you know, around you, you know, the stuff that is close to you, the people you know, the people that matter to you are the people who you deal with on a day-to-day basis, you know, and I, I had to learn that nobody's opinions matter, but the people inside the building. Um, and like, I just seen like an interview the other day with Kyrie was talking about other, like other people's perspectives. Like, yes. like I'm not, I, I had to learn that, that, that was some of the best, like, I, I can't put it no better than he did, you know, but you know, other people's perspectives don't matter. Like I don't, I'm not here to please everyone. And I realized that I can't. And what I realized about social media and everything is that, Every, you're going to be right and wrong to somebody, you know? So for the young kids out there, you just have to be yourself no matter what, like just continue to be yourself every day. Like, like just learn to grow, you know, as, as long as you accept yourself, you will always be okay. You know, cause the people who love you will love you for who you are and not for what you have, and what you, what you're going to be, you know, they're going to love you. But people are going to love me for being John Ross. And I, and I understand that. And the people who don't, then I just have to let them not love me, you know, like I don't right. have to pay attention to that and continue to work and be the best version of myself. And I was, I was so caught up on, I need to, I need to do some of the things that Odell Beckham is doing and Antonio Brown is doing, or some of the things that AJ Green is doing, you know, but I had to realize that everybody has a role in the, in the league and, and people, it, it's going to change throughout the years. I was just going to say, we talk about that on this podcast quite a bit, that like you could be the best basketball player or football player in the world. And that that's a completely different skill set from being able to handle everyone knowing who you are and talking about you all the time. That's not something human beings are like, no one knows how to do that before they get famous. You know what right. I mean? Like, no, and, yet, and yet sports is this, it, I, I love Kyrie's comments because he's so right. Like we take kids, a lot of times kids coming out of poverty and all of a sudden you just shine the brightest spotlight on them and say, mm-hmm. Either you know how to respond to this right away or everyone's going to be up your butt about it for the rest of your life. Like, it's such an unhealthy way of doing things. Absolutely. Um, and, and one of the realest quotes that I've ever heard was from Nipsey Hussle. He says, stop putting your expectations of, of, of me on me. You know, so I had to learn that, like, people get mad at me for not being what they want me to be. I never had intentions of being what you want me to be. I had intentions of being everything that I wanted myself to be, you know, and it took me a long time to accept that and accept that about myself. Like I just want to be me, you know, and however, and whatever step I need to take to get there, then I I would just have to take those steps. You know, how long is, how long it takes me is, is how long it will take me. And do you feel like it was, it was, it was valuable to you in that regard that you went to, that you went to Jordan? I mean, like we've talked about this, there's not a lot of all American players anywhere in the country, but certainly not in Southern California. Not a lot of All-Americans going to third, fourth, fifth place teams and leagues at this point. It's a real race right. to who can get to modern day, who can get to Bosco, locally Absolutely. maybe who can get to Poly. Do you feel like you benefited from the fact that you were at a school where you didn't have 50 highlight guys orbiting you at all times? <laughs> yeah, so so I was supposed to go to Poly my freshman year. My cousin went there. Um, that was the plan. Yeah, my dad went to Jordan, so there was no way that was happening. I ended up going to Dorsey. Once I realized what I was doing and what I wanted to accomplish, like I didn't want to be like everyone else. I didn't want to go to Poly. I wanted to, I kind of wanted to be that guy on the outside to like play exactly where I lived. Like a lot of us didn't and compete against those guys, you know, and that's what I wanted to do, you know, and I, I just feel like everyone was so, so big on, oh, well, we, we used to kill y'all. And I'm like, well, I mean, y'all had every player in the city, you know, who was good, you know, so of course, you know, so of course, you know, if, you know, if we would have won those games, y'all, y'all should be very upset with yourselves, you know, so, 
um, it always it it always made me you know like keep a chip on my shoulder, you know. Um, and I think that carried me into college. Like so, when it came to competition, it was always like it's me versus everyone, and then me versus me, you know. So that's how I kind of seen it, you know. Like I, I never kind of competed with uh, you know other guys as much as just, I always wanted to get better. You know, so and that's how I looked at it, you know, especially going to Jordan. You kind of have to look at it that way because you you end up knowing, you know, when, with no disrespect, you end up knowing you, we're not going to win 10 games or we're not going to win eight games, you know, but I'm going to do everything I can to put us in a position to to get as far as we can. Well, and I think it's so valuable. I mean, I've, I've heard you talk to, you know, the, the football team at Jordan and kind of give that message of like, hey, you know, it's just we, we don't we, we play for our home school. And we, we work hard and do our best. And, you know, you start to build that over time. Right. And that's kind of what that's kind of what you guys did at UW. It wasn't right. when you went there. It wasn't the powerhouse in the Pac-12. Not at all. By the time you left, <laughs> it was in a much better position. Obviously, Coach Peterson deserves a lot of credit for that and, and all the players as well. So, um, I mean, what, what was that kind of like just sort of building that winning culture in the time that you were there? It. it- it has to happen organically. If it doesn't, we won't be good. It won't work. And that's exactly what happened. We believed in each other. And once we start becoming a team, like Coach, Coach Peterson just implemented what, what it meant to be a team to us. And it just worked. It just worked. You know, everyone to start coming together, you know, introduce, you know, um, integrity to us and just how all that stuff just kind of correlate with each other. And it just it, it made us a better team. It made it, it made us all better, uh, a better unit and, and things like that. So when my senior year, when we when we got in there, it was like, I just felt it. Like we we weren't. Everyone was. It was like it was like one band. Like everything that we were doing, it was it was it was almost perfect. You know, no guys were late for class. Like it was just it was school. Everyone was doing. Like we were competing more in in school than we were in football. Like guys wanted to be on the dean's list more than they wanted to catch touchdowns. You know, and that's kind of what what showed how special we were going to be. Like how we would compete to make each other better. You know. Um, a lot of times, a lot of guys are, you know, they're more individuals, you know, like they want to, like, how can I, how can I get myself a scholarship? But what a lot of times is people don't understand is the better the team, the better the team is, the more people come and watch, you know, you, you, you can score 60 touchdowns all you want to, but if you guys are on 12, no one's going to say anything, you know, no one's going to recruit you. No one cares about a team who's on 12, but you're 11 and no, everybody, everybody's coming to watch you guys. And if you're, if you're 11 and no, everybody's balling. You're not 11 to know you're playing bad. That's not what's that's not what's going on. And people don't realize that, you know. So once we realized how good we were and how disciplined we needed to be and how much of a team, you know, we needed to be, it just like I said, it became organic. It just when winning started to feel natural. So we just would we would work hard every single time. And you know, the results kind of everyone has seen the results. From Washington to the Cincinnati Bengals, but first you had to go to the Combine where you set that record. When you think back on that day and that experience and, and everything that came out of the Combine, what's like the first thing you think about? Just how far I've come, you know, just where, where I come from and just like I still to this day, like I think to myself, like it's so crazy that I'm in the NFL and not that I feel like it's a, a privilege because to me it kind of is, you know, because, you know, it's, everyone doesn't make it, you know, but like. I just love playing ball, you know, so I never would have thought that I would make it this far and be in a position position that I am now, you know, and on top of that, just me having that knee injury and not being able to walk. Like I remember those days vividly, you know, like, so, so me being able, like, they didn't even have me as a top five, you know, fastest guy at the combine, you know, so all that stuff is crazy to me, but you know, I don't really pay attention to that. I just, I just think about how blessed I am and how thankful I am to be in this position. 
Well, and JJ, I know you didn't ask me the question, but the thing that I always think about about that day is that Ross would have gone faster if he wasn't cramping. So right, that's always, right. That's always, I tell people that all the time. This dude pulled up with like six right. yards left. And and I just, I, it's funny. I recently posted my time yesterday. Like I, they had me clocked at four one nine hand time, and um, you know, I just posted like because. A lot of people say what they want, but I just – me, my confidence is getting back to where, where it is. It's never cocky with me. No, no, just, I'm just starting to be more confident. I, I feel like I felt I've lost that over the years, you know. Um, and, and I kind of want to wear it again because it feels good. You know, when you're confident, everything's moving, everything is, everything is going good, you know. So when all that happened, it's just like, man, I, I begged the trainer to let me run again. Like, you know, let me run one more time. I promise you it'll be faster. <laughs> You know, because I know what I did. I, I know what I did wrong. You know, he just was like, it's not smart. You know, be smart. Um, you know, you're going to have a long career. You don't want to pull anything before the draft, you know, so. Yeah, Gary Kablan, uh likes to – Gary likes to talk to people about that, about, you know, how strategic you were with it. Um, he's, he, he's, he's worked with a lot of dudes, obviously, who've gone and performed well at the Combine. It's kind of weird because for receivers, for DBs, it's such an important measurement. It's not necessarily the best – measurement of how fast you are on the football field right how what was your mindset going into it like i know if i do well here it'll be really important for my career you know what i mean oh see me i'm always one of those people who i i like i i personally feel like that's not why i was drafted because i was always a firm believer in what i do and you know how i play the game and like i just feel like my my film didn't change like you guys already knew that i was fast you know, so me putting the time on it didn't exactly, you know, secure anything. It just, it just, it just kind of confirmed, like, oh yeah, okay, well he is really fast, you know. So, like, that's that's <laughs> this all. This guy all that we had as a plus plus under speed is a plus plus under speed. Exactly, so. and that's exactly how I look at it. So I don't ever look at it like, oh, like when I broke the record, I was like, oh, now I'm really gonna get paid. Like I was just in my mind, I was like, I just proved myself right. Like I am faster than. You know, I think, you know, that's all how I how I looked at it. I, I just felt like I was before that I was already, you know, I had already had my draft grade and spoke to the coaches and I knew it was going to be a good draft for me, you know. So, you know, it was but it was it was good to run that time for myself. Well, and, and this offseason, you got a, another first experience. You got to experience free agency. Uh, what, what was that like? Was it like being a, a, a recruit looking for colleges again? Obviously, it's it, you know, there's not as many NFL teams as there are division one schools that are coming after you. But what, what was that experience like? And, you know, what ultimately was uh, so attractive about the Giants for you? Uh, well, I, I will say it's different for every guy. Um, you know, the guys who are making 70 million a year and stuff like that, those, it, the experience is completely different. I mean, not a year, but uh, their contract is worth 70 million. I, I think their experience is completely different. Um, I had a few calls from different teams and spoke to teams and try to wait it out. And, you know, my situation, I didn't play last year. So it's, I'm, I was kind of more on the back end. Um, but the Giants came in with a strong offer and going on a visit was like, it was like, wow, like I belong here. You know, um, it just felt like I, like I didn't hear from them at first. And it just felt like they wanted me more than, you know, uh, I wanted to be there. Not that I didn't want to be there. I just didn't talk to them at first. Um, you know, so that was always good. You know, when you, when you, when you feel wanted, you know, that's somewhere you want to go always. And it was like, there was, there was, there was no other option after I, I visited, you know, um, they make you feel like family. Uh, I love the facility and everything about it. Um, you talked, this is the last question for me, but you talked a little bit about the process of finding yourself and the stuff that everyone in their early twenties goes through. You just happen to do it with a, a spotlight on you. Um, you. You and I have talked about 
being dads and, you know, what that's meant in our lives. You've also got one of our favorite dads we've ever been around. Um, how important was your son Juju and, and becoming a dad? And how important was that to that process for you of gaining confidence about who you are and, and what the things you value in life are? I'm sure you know this. Uh, when you become a dad, you learn so much about yourself. And just, just like, it just changes your whole world around, you know? So through the process, I think, you know, if I didn't have a son, I, I don't know how, how my life would be. Like, I don't know how far I would have would have come. I don't know how far I would have worked. Cause it's like, he, he, he fueled me like to be a better person. And it just, it just kind of made me a better player because mentally I was, I was put together in my opinion. So my senior year, when I found out that I was going to have a child, it was like, like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I was going to be the ninth pick in the draft. I didn't know how my season was going to go, all that stuff. So it was just like, I was freaked out. Like, I, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid in college with no money, with nothing, you know, and, and that kind of just changed my perspective on life. Like, it made me want to be better for everything and everyone around me. And it just changed me completely. So through all the process, it just felt good because I felt like, like, while I'm doing everything that I said I would do for my son, you know, and it's, and it's, it's all coming true. Well, before we let you get out of here, we do this with all the pro athletes. You got to give some advice to the young LBC football players out there, maybe even some of the receivers. What, what do you think? I mean, listen, every amateur football player right now is celebrating that they actually get to play, right? So what would right. your advice be to those kids? All in love with working hard. Um, you know, you know, work on your craft. You know, never be, never get complacent. You know, when you get complacent, you lose yourself. You lose – you, you, you kind of lose something special about yourself. Never be content with being a certain way. You should always want to be better than yourself. Don't compete against other people because you start competing for the wrong reasons. You know, but when you compete against yourself, you will always continue to move forward every single time. I, I learned that I was competing against everybody else. And I was I was basically saying staying stagnant. Like I, I wasn't moving anywhere because I was so worried about what everyone else was doing. I never was looking at my flaws. And the moment I started to look at my flaws and when I started becoming a better player, um, I started to see what I was doing wrong, all the things that I was doing right. And I just kind of carried that into my workouts. And, and like, I, I read something when I was, when I was younger, I don't, I don't remember exactly how the quote was. It was like, never fear the man who throws a thousand kicks, but fear the man who, who throws the same kick a thousand times. Right. So to me, that, that screams out nothing but consistency. You know, people who are consistent are always around. They always, they always make it, you know, they're the best people in the world. Like you look at Kobe on a day-to-day -day basis on, he's, he's shooting a lot of jumpers, whether it's bad or good, but, but Kobe's giving you his best because he's staying consistent. Michael Jordan, another consistent player. LeBron is hard to say LeBron's not consistent. He's been to, what nine straight, seven straight finals or something like that, you know? So you have to want to be that way. You have to fall in love with working hard and being a better version of yourself. And that's the best advice I can give anyone because I, I feel like I, I wish someone would have told me that, you know, instead of competing against someone who you feel like is a newcomer. Like, no, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be in a position that you're supposed to be in. You're going to start or you're going to be that 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 best receiver or whatever the case may be. You know, just work with yourself. That's just phenomenal advice for anyone, let alone a football player. So great stuff. John, thank you so much for taking the time, man. You got us rooting for football teams we never thought we'd root for. But that means you love it. A good I love it. Love it. <laughs> I love it. You guys, family forever, man. I appreciate you guys always. Right, we, appreciate, we appreciate you, dude. Best of luck out there. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. We'll do. Thank you, guys. Awesome to have Ross the Boss on the podcast, and best of luck to him this season. We wanted to give a special shout-out to our sponsors over at Ocean Law Center. 
Visit OceanLawCenter.com to see all the services that they provide. They are helping injured people and their families. Thank you to Ocean Law Center for their support of the coverage here at the 562. If you visit the 562.org right now, it is overflowing with sports coverage. We've been waiting so long for it, and it is definitely here now. Mike, you're working on a story about some other NFL players like Ross who have been on the move, right? Yeah, it was a really active week and a half as free agency opened up for the Long Beach guys. Uh, Jayon Brown, who we're hoping to have on uh, next week, a Long Beach Poly alum who's uh, re-signed with the Titans on a one-year deal. Um, Deshaun Jackson just signed with the Rams. Um, we are waiting. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster re-signed with the Steelers on a one All these dudes are on one-year deals. Um, and we're waiting for news on Mercedes Lewis and Jerome Casey, uh, as well as uh, Jameez Olawale. Um, but a lot of movement, basically everyone's contract was up. So, um, very, very active time. Joel Batonio from Wilson, I think is the only of all of the Long Beach NFL guys. I think Bubba was the only one who's just in the midst of a long-term contract and doesn't have to worry about the salary cap. Uh, so a lot to catch up on there. And, uh, and I, I always enjoy tracking that stuff and pretending to be the GM of a Long Beach fantasy football team. So <laughs> Yeah, but Bubba's in a good spot for sure. And and the, the reason that there's so many one-year deals is because that expected bump in salary cap next season. Is that right, Mike? So they're they're trying to capitalize on all of the numbers going up on contracts starting next year. A hundred percent this year because of the loss. I mean, all salary caps and all professional sports are tied to revenue from the previous season. And obviously everyone lost revenue during the COVID year. So if you look across all sports, um, everyone was kind of trying to do these little one-year deals. Football is a little more dramatic because your, your careers are so short compared to the average NBA or, uh, or Major League Baseball guy. So perfect for guys like Ross, who are just looking for a fresh start, but also for guys like Juju, where he's looking to probably sign a you know, five-year deal next year. You just don't want to peg that to salary cap numbers that are constrained because you're talking about multiple, possibly upwards of $10 million dollars that are shaved if you sign during a squeeze salary cap. Speaking of football, I did a feature on Wilson quarterback Xander McLaurin. He had his first varsity start on Friday night, and he also made some history. It's tough to do that at a school as historic as Wilson High School, but he was the first Bruin to start in both baseball and football varsity games on the same day. Scored a running. We feel really the- confident in that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, pretty it's, confident. Usually, when you talk about history at Wilson and Polly, you're like, hopefully, some weird thing didn't happen in 1926. But they've never played varsity football games during baseball season, so we feel really confident in saying that. <laughs> very, very confident, yeah. And it was a great day because he scored a run. They got a hit in the baseball game. Had to leave early to go warm up for the football game. Then threw three touchdowns in his first start. The last one being a game winner in the last minute. We've obviously got highlight videos of that available in the. Features on the 562.org right now. Great kid, great family, great story. But the thing that I pulled away most from that experience and getting all the interviews and stuff was Andy Hall, the baseball coach at Wilson. He would tell you he's a hard-nosed baseball coach, right? Um, babe, like he's that type of guy. Bow your neck type of guy. But some of the quotes he gave me were fascinating. And I'm working on a column this year, uh, this week, about adjusted expectations and how sports will be forever changed from taking a year off. And Andy Hall didn't cut anybody from his baseball program at all three levels. And he said that, quote, it's kind of my responsibility to make sure we get them in. Sometimes that means we don't have the strongest group on the field. But what are you going to remember in 10 years? And freaking quote, dude, Andy Hall spitting hot fire in that feature. Make sure you check it out.
super hot fire. <laughs> that is a, that is a great, um, that's a great angle, JJ. And, and, you know, yeah, credit to the coaches for kind of seeing the bigger picture this season of all seasons, you know, and it's like, we're not suggesting that it, that it is going to be an AYSO situation forever, but at the same time, Hey man, it's, it's been, it's been a rough 12 months. Let's do, let's do some good for, for as many people as we can. Um, and the, the story's not up there yet, but I am, it's been a while since we've talked about cross country just after that Paul, epic Polly Milliken meet. And so I'm excited to kind of revisit and be like, Hey, remember the coolest moment of the sports season coming back, or at least uh, until the Sarah overtime game, maybe. But um, that that meet between um, Polly and Milliken at Polly was was tremendous in both the boys and the girls race. But everything's still up for grabs. So the Milliken Rams looking for um, more league titles, really on both sides of the defending girls champs, um, and they're they're looking to knock off Polly. On the boys' side, Jackrabbits looking for a 14th consecutive Moore League uh, title. Everything's up for grabs at Cabrillo on Saturday afternoon, and I'm super excited to go check out those races, and we will have full coverage with uh, article, video, and photos at the562.org after that meet. If you don't already, just follow the562.org on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. It's the easiest way to keep yourself up to date on everything happening with the Long Beach schools and their sports teams in our community at large. We don't say it at the top of the show because it's false. It's true, people. We got you covered. So make sure you visit the website and support if you can. Thanks, as always, to everybody, our sponsors, Long Beach Post, everybody who makes the 562.org possible. We will seek you guys out at these sporting events this week. Guarantee it. And when you see us, say what's up.